Hallo Leute, Servus. This is episode 7 of the Mia Sun Road English Speaking Podcast. Obviously, I'm speaking English. Um, today, I am joined by Mia Sun Road's opinionists, Maria's house and Christopher Rahm. Um, Maurice, how are you doing today? I'm great, thanks. Awesome. And, and Chris? <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging in there. Hanging in. Um, <clears throat> we are now in the fourth Yupankis era at Bayern Munich, and so far it's going pretty swimmingly. Eight goals scored against Freiburg and Celtic, and the, sle- the team seems to be coming along, I don't know, kind of like a team again. Um uh, People are already throwing uh, treble talk around, which is absolutely the most horrible thing in the world. But Bayern are starting to do the little things right. Um, Chris, uh, what's your initial thoughts on 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 Yip's return? Ooh, very very hard question. So basically, I understand why he's back. So it's. I wouldn't say it's the easiest way for um, the board members, so um, Jupai, uh, not Jupai, uh, Kalo Rummenigge and Uli Hoeneß, that somebody is back, yeah, who knows the area, who knows how to handle the media, who obviously knows most of the players, or at least some of them already, and yeah, so they can evaluate, okay, what can Jupai do, and um, maybe what he can't do or what he can't deliver. Um, the other names who were in for the job for the job race like um, Thomas Tuchel, they are more yeah, more questions maybe like okay, can he um, handle things? Um, can he handle the media? Can he handle the players? Um, there are some rumors here in the German media that, for example, Tuchel um, has a special character, let's say it in that half-positive way, um, and he's maybe a little bit complicated. So I understand that there are, there are maybe more questions than answers. But anyhow, um, Jupp Heynckes is now the, the oldest coach in the Champions League with nearly 20, uh, 72 and a half year. Um, so maybe at the end of the season, he's already uh, 37. And this is yeah kind of crazy that um, that he's back. I, I, I'm still thinking about it, if how if it's more the positive side or on the negative side, it's it's like uh, it's it's just weird. It's weird. Right. <laughs> I would agree. Uh, I'm trying to remain positive about it, um, but with it, uh, Maurice, do you, uh, your feelings on on Hankus's, uh return? Well, I got I got some mixed feelings as well. I think, um, of course, it was like Chris already said, it was the easy choice for the for the board, um, but I think. Given the circumstances, it was the right choice as well. I mean, um, the the wrongdoings of the management have been have not been appointing Jupp Heynckes, but rather maybe picking Ancelotti in the first place, which is now, of course, looking back, it's easy to say. Um, but um, now, in the given circumstances, like mid-season, changing your your head coach, um, I think just 
appointing Heinkes and letting him finish the season was probably the best choice because he knows the squad, he still knows most of the players, he knows the board members well, he's, um, he's respected by the media and there aren't really any bad stories uh, um, concerning him like there are with Tom. Suho, for example, and I think if, if you would have if you would have given that job to to Thomas Tuchel, um, I don't know if he could have gotten things turned around because he he has his own idea, like a very very complex idea of, of soccer or football, and I don't know if, if that is something that you can just implement during the season because you, you do not have that that much time that you might have in in the preseason and summer. So I think that is a pretty good good choice to like finish out the season and then next summer hopefully. Um, get a new head coach who has his own thoughts and all his own views and who can implement them starting day one at practice. So, um, to the both of you, uh, I guess I'll go Chris first. Um, so it looks like Nagelsmann or, or Tuchel starting from next season, unless there's some weird Yogi Love. Yogi Love. Oh God, no, please, please. No, it, it could be. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> But but, so, yeah. but looking at the two of them, it, it let's leave love out of the equation because I would just shoot myself. Um, <laughs> 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 Sorry, I would. Um, <laughs> looking at the two of them, uh, who would you rather? Ooh, hot choice. Um, so. Both will, will follow a modern style of playing, so it's not, and, and they are not very convenient in that way that they are um, following a structure. They, both of them, um, adjusting their squad um, based on the opposite side. Um, both are also following, uh, let's say, modern training methods. Um, Tuchel is maybe a little bit more experienced than Nagelsmann. Um, well, it's 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 definitely a hard choice, um, but has maybe a, a special or yeah yeah special character to her. I guess maybe still fifty five to forty five for Tuchel, but just based on the experience to teach squad like um, yeah Borussia Dortmund for I guess it was two seasons right yeah two seasons. Yeah. And and Maurice, how are you feeling? If you had to make a choice. <laughs> Well, um, I don't know if we have that choice, actually. I think uh, maybe that choice is, is uh, uh, made for us because um, we still have to wait and see whether Hoffenheim lets, uh, lets Nagelsmann go. Um, but if they let if they agree to let him go, I think that is a really, really tough one to pick. Um, I, I in, enjoyed um, reading interviews with Nagelsmann and Tuchel both. Um, they're just um, yeah the, the ways that they that they use during practice during team training camp um, they seem so um, close to something that we've only seen from Guardiola so far at Bayern and um, I think bo- both of them are similar good choice of course um, like Chris already said um, Nagelsmann still lacking that experience still lacking that. Um, that especially that Europa Pokal experience um, still looking for his first uh, victory actually so um, 
that is obviously a point. And then another thing, if, if Hoffenheim doesn't finish uh, this season too good, which of course it doesn't look like it right now, but maybe if they if they start to slip and they get to like 10th place at the end of the season, I don't know if you can, as, as Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, still appoint a manager from a team who's just finished like um, um, mid-table. So I don't know about that. Um, Tuchel, of course, he has that character issues, which... Um, came out especially at um, at Dortmund I don't know actually if there have been any stories about him like that when he, he had his first tenure at Mainz so yeah of course some some special characters as well in the uh, in the um, at, at the board at, at Dortmund with, with Watzke so I don't know um, I, I'd probably go with Tuchel right now as well but um just because Nagelsmann, we can still make him a head coach. Like if we have to get rid of Tuchel, because he like <laughs> starts starts to tell Turbidal that he can't have another drink, and starts to tell uh, Lewandowski, Lewandowski that he has to um, start eating his dessert after uh, breakfast again. And so I don't know. <laughs> do, do Do you guys think? Do you think that that Hummels and Lewandowski? Um, well, Hummels especially had anything to say about Tuchel and why he wasn't um, appointed a coach now instead of Henkes. I, I think well, they at least talked to Mats Hummels because, like, just of just the, the person he is, just the person he is, or just the persona he's been at uh, at Dortmund. I, I think they they probably asked for his opinion, just like. Yeah, if if you start to appoint a new uh, uh, someone new at at your company, so but I don't know if that was like the the final one percent that that uh, that that um, implicated them to go for Heinkes instead of Tuchel. Yeah, Maurice is right. There, <clears throat> there were some quotes in the media um, that they ask, um, or yeah, whom it's confirmed that the board members ask him about Tuchel. Um, but what he exactly he said was not delivered. So, um, for, from my point of view, the, the interesting part is that yeah, nothing was delivered. So it's, it sounds like okay. Um, Mats Hummels has a special opinion as well about um, Thomas Tuchel. Otherwise, yeah, you normally you would read some some yeah nice and, and fancy quotes about him. So yeah, Thomas is a very good coach, and I enjoyed the work with him. And yeah, blah blah. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't so so the, something yeah, yeah that, that you can read between the lines. All right then. So um, now going to delve a little bit into the Freiburg match. Um, it was a nice traditional ass kicking. Um, at Freiburg. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nice to nice to put up five on the board. Um, uh, goals were um, uh, Julian Schuster own goal uh, eight minutes into the first half with a lovely assist from David Alaba and Kingsley Coman. Uh, the play leading up to that was lovely and it was just kind of havoc in the box up into the own goal. <clears throat> Kingsley Coman uh, with his first goal of the season on 42 minutes, so it was 2-0 in the first half. And then the second half, uh, Thiago, Robert Lewandowski, and Joshua Kimmich got on board with assists from Mats Hummels, 
Thomas Müller and Kingsley Coleman. So, um, <laughs> but first, uh, we have to we have to look at the lineup. Um, so, how do we find the 2013 iteration of Bayern Munich, uh, Maurice? <laughs> Well, uh, I suppose Martinez is back in central midfield, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah um, it, it, so reinvent the wheel. There's not going to be a wholesale tactical changes. And, and um, are you, uh, Chris, are you, are you liking uh, this? Uh, I think it's sort of baby steps going forward. Are well, um, I was in the stadium. Um, maybe just one word before I missed it um, regarding the the atmosphere. Um, so, typically, um, yeah, the the stadium speaker um, Stefan Lehmann announcing the, the squad, and then um, when he is pronouncing the, the last name or the, uh, he pronouncing the first name and then um, the whole crowd screams that the last name and it was yeah business as usual and then he comes to the point that he introduced a new coach or the new old coach for the first time uh, fourth time um, Jupp Heynckes and the whole crowd um, raised their voice um, I don't know maybe double three times as loud as before and screamed yup 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 and this was really really special and um, it was and everybody who, who, to whom I spoke afterwards um, had just if you talked about the game they, they only had this moment in their mind so this was the, the, the really special one um, regarding to the tactics yeah um, first I thought um, that we see an adoption that we have maybe on 3-5-2 because Heinke said before the press, conf- uh, the, the press conference before the game um, he said that he watched football in the last um, four years um, many times which is obviously not yeah, not surprising or no surprising but uh, he also mentioned um, that he see the tactical movement um, to the to kind of a free back system uh, in most of the teams in the Bundesliga and he, he watched it yeah he, he said it they watched it very well which means like okay um, they considered um, to use it as well um, but obviously he didn't do it so far um, so there's still this um, four two three one system um, we also know from from the 2013 um, but I'm looking forward um, how he he want to or how in which way he do some adjustments in the upcoming weeks but for now i guess we we will see this system in the next let's say until the next national break which comes i guess in around three weeks or something like that and maurice um um what are you thinking about the the new old four two three one <laughs> well i think i think we it's it's not really 100% like the old 4-2-3-1 because it has a lot of lots of flashes of like a 4-1-4-1 mm-hmm. um, with with Thiago really pushing up high the pitch. Um, 
And also, um, Martinez is is not really dropping back as steep as we've seen central midfielders drop back, um, like under under Guardiola, for example, where you would actually have that that back three for for large portions of the game. But um, I think it if he wants to reestablish like a more um, more defensive focus, which it isn't a bad uh, a bad idea considering the previous results of Bayern. I think it's it's all right to go with Martinez there because he can provide that that stability, especially with his with his advantages in um, direct duels with the with the opponents. Just because he's basically another another center back and. Um, so I, I think it is it is good. Something else that I, I I noticed is that Hummels and Boateng still push out really wide in the in that formation. Like they go very very far to the to the left and to the right, which it it looks like Martinez could draw back there, but he he tends not to. He he like positions himself so there's like little little triangle forming there and mm-hmm. so that, that Hummels and Boateng have a little little bit easier for, for both of them to, to escape some of, some of those pressing traps that, uh, that strike laid out for, for Freiburg. Um, I think that is that is something like a little tactical tweak that we've uh, rarely seen when uh, Ancelotti was there and something that I'm, I'm looking forward to see if that is something that just happened there against Freiburg or something that is like a recurring theme in the next few weeks. I was going to bring up um, Javi in the in the Celtic segment, but now is as good a time as any to talk about. <laughs> um, but beyond that. Um, Let's uh, take a look at the left side of the pitch. Um, David Alaba and Kingsley Coman, uh, that pairing seems to be coming along very nicely. Um, Chris, what's what's different over the Frank Ribéry-David Alaba pairing? Um, in this season or in, in general? In general. <laughs> oh, okay, in general, then I would say... Um, not that many differences. Okay, Ribéry is maybe, um, yeah, in his prime. If you're looking at his prime phase, um, then he he was a player who had a little bit more skills um, in, in scoring goals and um, shoot accuracy and things like that. Um, this is something currently Coman is missing. But right now, I guess Heinkes is working very, very hard with him um, to bring or to use his skills. So um, there was one one interesting quote after the Celtic match where uh, Heinkes mentioned that they're currently training with Coman that he after he wants in dribbling um, that he takes out a little bit speed and focusing on the crosses or on the passes. Um, so and use if you remembering the Celtic game then you you could already see that and that are the very very small improvements so um, basically it's it's with, with Alaba it's not that, that it didn't feel currently that natural like it was with Alaba and then Ribéry for so long but they played I guess for three four five six seasons and yeah I guess it still needs some time um, it was against Freiburg it was some things where maybe Alaba was too slow um, 
crossing his uh, crossing comma and also comma couldn't read the roots of, of Alaba and yeah the way round but in the Celtic match we already saw some improvements and I would expect that we will see it in the upcoming weeks as Ribery is out nearly for the yeah let's say next two or three months yeah, um, I think that is that is a really good good chance for Coleman as well to to prove himself like he does not have that that uh, player like Ribery now sitting in his neck and always like being like hey man you know I, I'm actually I'm I think I'm still better than you and I'm telling the coach or I'm telling Uli that that I want to play next game and you're going to sit on the bench and like Coleman now has like those two three months where he can prove that he is now like a, a uh, that he can be a vital part of that Bayern offense and like if he goes into one-on-one situation with, with the opponent's um, wingback I think there are very few wingbacks in the world that can, can match just his explosiveness and his speed and he uh, if he just keeps on improving with his decisions with his passes with his crosses then I think he can take another an, a big step uh, forward in the right direction and just working together with with David Alaba, um, I think against Freiburg we've seen for for a long time that that Alaba not only like cuts behind um, Coman to 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 the to the baseline, but also cuts um, like over him and heads to to like more into the box, and that that is just another option that Coman has to pass to, and um, so. I think both of them working together, I think that can work out really well in the uh, foreseeable future. I think um, if you guys want my two cents, you probably <laughs> sure. don't, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it anyway. <laughs> 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 I think that, um, that uh, 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 Frank Ribery and David Alaba were starting to get in the way of each other a little bit. Um, and I don't know if if that's a drop in form from both of them, but but it seemed to be I don't know it seemed to be a little bit more convoluted, um, and now um, there's a sort of freedom there. No, it's not perfect, but but there's potential for very good things to be happening. I think. Yeah. yeah, just with with Alaba, there was something that um, one of our German writers, Felix, wrote, and I, I don't know if that is, I don't know if that was translated to to uh, English. Mirsan wrote content, but I'm just going to repeat it. Um, so um, he, he he was talking about Alaba being that that player who is not like has this huge uh, self motivation to pull himself up every day and be like, yeah, I want to work on on my tactics. I want to know more and more and more, um, even though nobody gives me like this input. Um, something that, for example, like I think Philippe Blanc did a lot. Um, so when Ancelotti came, Alaba like kind of also with, with the injury, he, he fell off a little bit. And now like Heinkes being back there with uh, Peter Hermann, for example, they tell him, hey, David, go, go there, try this, try that, um, try to position yourself there and there. And so I, I hope or I think that we, we will see Alaba's form rise, rise again um, to like um, hopefully a Guardiola form. Um, yeah. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Just, just Put yeah. that out there. <laughs> no, of course. No, that's beautiful. Um, Chris, anything to add? 
No, I guess Maurice made an, a very good point. So um, the story about Alaba is, I guess, true. And yeah, with Heinkes, hopefully he can come back into, into the right direction. Okay, so um, are we getting ahead of ourselves by calling this like a really a complete victory? I mean, after all, it looked like uh, uh, Streich was never really convinced in going forward. You know, uh, uh, they played 5-4-1. They had, what, two shots on goal? But they had yeah, the first... Oh, they had the, yeah, the first one was the, the best chance so far. I guess it was even before we scored the first one, right? Yeah. I, I didn't have it really in my mind, yeah. Um, okay, the, the, basically, there was one good tactical approach from Strike. It was that um, they go directly into the pressing with uh, Niederlechner and one or two additional midfield players once we play the ball to the outside um, and to, to, to Kimmich and if Kimmich or Müller on the right side uh, were a little bit with the back to the goal um, so they, they got the ball yeah, more or less behind them um, then they start fully to press and this worked out two or three times so they created two or three chances with that the first one was um, really good save by by Ulreich and the second one I guess it was Ken who missed an, um, an header um, yeah so this was they, they had their chances, but it was limited based on on that small tactical approach, um, which Bayern or ran into that trap two or three times, which is obviously too much in the yeah in 55, uh, 45 minutes. But in general, um, yeah, it, it was after the uh, in the, in the second half there was nothing nothing to add from Freiburg here. It was kind of a normal business as usual victory then. Yeah, but like you said, Susie, like don't don't uh, let us get ahead of ourselves there. Um, I think it is just Freiburg after all. I think those matches now, Freiburg, um, then Glasgow um, and Hamburg on the weekend, they're really good to get the team like not uh, back in form and also back to form mentally, so that that they know we we can still do this. We can still win games. We can still win games without conceding, and we can still win games like against Bundesliga opponents quite convincingly. Um, but of course, the, the, the tough tasks, they will be there the weeks the weeks after that when we, when we play Leipzig twice and we play Dortmund, we play Paris for the second time. Like after those four weeks, we can really judge like where the team is. Like, but just right now, it's it feels good to to have like one of those five nil victories again at Allianz Arena. Yeah. Maybe for scares. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, Definitely, um, the last two matches have been a bit of an ego boost, I guess, for Bayern Yeah, that's Munich. a good word. <laughs> yeah, right? For Bayern Munich supporters. Um, uh, now we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, the Celtic match that was Wednesday at the Allianz Arena. By the way, the Celtic fans in Munich were absolutely grand. Um, As usual. I, I, I read that they had still had to clean up... Um 
marine bloods uh, today, like the <laughs> whole first half of the day because of all of those drunk Scots laying around everywhere. <laughs> There was also one one fancy video with um, a Sky reporter who who asked, "Okay, what did you do the whole time um, here in Munich?" And uh, to to I guess it was a girl, uh, and she just answered drinking um it was like okay that that was so obviously <laughs> <laughs> what, what else did you in munich though hey, what right? else? yeah i mean uh, so um when i was able to travel of course i i got to munich a lot and i was i did a lot of travel away at in europe for champions league matches as well um but uh, Almost everybody's favorite city to visit was Munich, right? Because the, they just kind of let you, you can do what you want to do, you know, go have fun. All the Bayern fans stay out of Marienplatz, you know, and, and, and out of the city center. And they just, they let everybody just kind of be who they are, Um That works out well sometimes. Um, Manchester City, when they first started traveling, didn't work out so well. Um, I had some run-ins with Inter fans. Uh, this is going back like six years ago. Um, but for the most part, like all the team, all the team's fans always enjoy coming to Munich, and I think that's a that's a really cool th thing, and it says a lot of good things about the club and the city as well. Would you guys? Yeah, agree? Would you indeed, guys agree? Indeed. Yeah, sure, for sure. Okay, so um, Munich keeping up their one nil win streak under new old trainer Jupankis, uh put three on Celtic um, in Champions League play. Uh, Thomas Müller scored the first on a tap-in on 17 minutes. Uh, Joshua Kimmich with a crazy, like, 20-meter floated header uh, scored the second on 29. And then uh, just after the break, six minutes after the break, uh, Mats Hummels scored on a set play uh, with an assist from Arjen Robin for a corner. Um, this was... This was a good match. This was it, it, this was an interesting experience. I don't know. Talking to Celtic fans on Twitter, um, nobody, not even Celtic fans, thought they were gonna win. Um, they were just they're either there for the fun or the you know or the banter or the booze or the whatever. Um, But every but they were hoping for a draw, but this was an a match that Bayern absolutely had to win, uh, considering the loss to PSG. Um, so, um, Chris, what are your initial impressions about the match? Um, maybe we spend some time on the lineup, as we already talked about a little bit uh, about Martinez. Mm -hmm. um, I found it very interesting that Heinkes didn't change his coach so much. Okay, there was this um, shoulder injury from Martinez um, from the Freiburg match. So he replaced him just one to one with Rudy. Um, that, that was it. And it was a little bit typically like Heinkes. He did it also um, in the 
this third area um, that we also didn't change so often his squad even in those matches where you might expect the creator to see some other players from the squad so maybe the 13th, 14th or 15th player and it was interesting because I thought maybe um, that he shift or just do some adjustments so that maybe James gets a start or um, Tuliso gets one one starting spot especially to give those kind of free, uh, players the feeling are you okay? You are part of the squad. Um, everybody has the same chance. And let's see um, what is fitting best currently. So, but Heinke uh, decided in the other direction in that way that he trusted those players um, who made a match against Freiburg. And it was a little bit surprisingly for me at that point. So, um, Maurice, so I'm looking at my notes, like questions I'm going to ask you guys. So the first one that comes up for Celtic is, is, is uh, Sebastian Rudy the correct double sex we should be looking for? Is, is Javi in defensive midfield too much of a throwback to 2013? Well, um... Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I was always a little bit uh, concerned putting um, Martinez in back into central midfield just because he is, his passing is, is really, really limited a little bit. But um, like I said earlier, I can really see Heinke's point to put in um, Martinez um, or try to put in Martinez. Obviously, he missed the game against Glasgow, but putting in Martinez to like stabilize the, the defense. Um, but I think especially against like um, weaker opponents um, in the Bundesliga, you can you can easily put in um, Rudy next to Thiago or Tuliso next to Thiago um, because I, I don't think you need that much that much um, help um, on the defensive end, um, like the, the extra help that Martinez would give you. Um, and I'm actually a little bit like if as long as you put Thiago next to Martinez, I think. Those two complement each other really well, um, just because of the skill set of Thiago, which is like phenomenal. He can basically play every position in in central midfield. Um, so I think those two complement each other really well. But if you put somebody like Vidal or Tuliso next to Martinez, I think you will have you will have some problems in build-up play, just because. Um, they're both not the most secure passers and they both also lack that certain kind of, of creativity um, when it comes to offensive actions. So I think you, if you put, put up that double six, you will look heavily or you will lean heavily on Hummels and Boateng for build-up play as well. Um, so Martinez, as long as he's paired with Thiago, I think that's that's okay. But um, that is probably the only the only double six that I can see really working out there with Martinez in it. Okay, but but um, does Rudy does Sebastian Rudy bring anything extra over uh, over like a hobby compared to compared to to Martinez? Yes. Um, yeah, sure, sure. I think um, Rudy is probably like, of course, on another level. But he's like, if I had to find any player on Bayern's squad to compare to Thiago, it's probably going to be Sebastian Rudy. So he brings that. Uh, um, 
he brings that certain um, passing stability to, to central midfield and he also brings that creativity but of course he lacks that um, superior defensive skills that, that Javi Martinez brings to the table so um, I, I was like Chris already said I was surprised to see um, uh, Heinkes go with Rudy there and not like put in um, Vidal who he also knows from Leverkusen days um, but yeah I think that that was a totally fine choice there so um, speaking of our favorite drunk Chilean um, <laughs> <laughs> what so what what happened when when Vidal came on on the second half in the second half uh, Chris it it seemed like um, the game went from a very calm controlled you know just sort of Bayern dominance uh, pitch pitch wide to um Losing, losing the middle of the pitch with Vidal on. Uh, would you agree or 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 no? <laughs> yes and no. Yes, of course he came on. Um, I guess in around about sixty-five minutes after sixty-five minutes, and yes, Bayern lost a little bit his or their focus after yeah. <laughs> The, the third goal from Mats Hummels was so maybe the starting point of that um, period of the game. I would it, wouldn't mark it as the fall from Vidal um, in, in in total. So that's yeah, coming on and then he making a lot of faults. I, I wouldn't be that rough. I would argue more in that way um, that Vidal couldn't change it or couldn't hold this off that Celtic get some or got some additional chances so Bayern lost a little bit their focus on the pressing I guess basically the reason behind that was they already have their games or, or the, the, the both Leipzig games and maybe the Dortmund game already in mind and that's maybe the reason behind that Maurice? Um well, um, I, I, like I or said already, um, like like Chris already pointed out, like of course, if you replace someone like Thiago with someone like Vidal, you will lose a little bit of that. Of that, you lose, um, you lose everything. <laughs> you lose everything. <laughs> but it's not that bad. It's not quite that bad. <laughs> Um, but um, yeah, but but I also think that that most of the players probably like went to some kind of cruise control. Uh, they knew that that game was mostly over for good, and so they just said, "Well, we got another match against Freiburg on the weekend, and uh, as it seems, uh, Jupp will." <laughs> play the same guys as well so uh, they all got to go again on, on Saturday so they, they said to each other well let's take a step back and I think that was that was probably the reason for, for losing a little bit of that control so you guys are you guys are uh, you're saying that um, they're just looking ahead and after going 3-0 up it didn't really matter anymore correct? yes yes I be positive and and um, saying it in that way. Um. <laughs> but the thing is, so 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 um, Henkes's remarks after the Freiburg match, um, he said something about the team about the team just 
kept pushing for goals. Do you guys, was that him? No, that was totally him. Do you, do you recall, do you recall that? I'm, I'm not quoting word for word, obviously. Yes, I think there was there was something said along the lines of that. Right. So so why why the difference in the in the Celtic match? <laughs> That's a tough one. <laughs> might, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't mean you. I don't mean. I don't mean to hang you guys out to dry. But okay, I pointed out it was the Vidal fault, and <laughs> <laughs> Vidal come on, and then yeah, everything broke into a mess. Both of you are, right now are like you can f off. <laughs> no, um, I, 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 I guess um, we tried. Maurice and I tried to point it out that it was maybe it felt a little bit like cruise control. Right. Um, let's see what the upcoming weeks will. Um, yeah. Yeah. Will bring of with us. And, so, and yeah. I'm. I'm, I'm not very. Really, we, we it, it, yeah. We we still had chances like in in uh, in stoppage time and like late after the 60th minute. So. Um, if we score two more goals and this one ends up five nil, I don't think we're having this discussion. So probably for for now we we can close that one for good. But um, <laughs> yeah, typically to the Vidal trash talk when we really have a reason for it. <laughs> right, right. We can we can revisit we can revisit this uh, a month from now for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so let's... I guess also against Freiburg, the last okay, the last one was definitely in the garbage time and. I don't know when was the fourth. Yeah, seventy-fifth minute. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> we're gonna move on, so you guys don't <laughs> hate me anymore. <laughs> so, um, Ankus is 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 getting the team to do the little things right, or he's starting to. Um, it looks a lot like that gaping hole between midfield and defense under Ancelotti is growing ever smaller under Yup. Um, uh, the the match against Celtic was a, a very high, effective press. Would you say, Chris? Indeed, indeed. I was really surprised that Heinkes chose that option that hard. Um, so we had a nearly full court press and it worked out pretty, pretty well. So Lewandowski and Müller um, always try to press um, straight forward, also directly on Gordon, the, the goalkeeper of Celtic. Um, as well as the whole midfield try to be involved and yeah, preventing passing routes from Celtic, um, creating some bad passing angles for the Celtic players. And this worked most of the time pretty well. And I guess we pointed out a little bit earlier as well, Boateng mostly, um, but also sometimes Hummel. Hummels, um, yeah left their four back row and tried to push out as well um, trying to to be involved in directly into and tackling and yeah so they they prevented the counter attacks mostly not every time but mostly um, from from for, for Celtic and I was really surprised that those kind of mechanisms are still there because it was totally lost under Ancelotti. If you compare, for example, the 
both Champions League matches, both home matches against uh, Celtic and Anderlecht. And if you say and argue, okay, Anderlecht and Celtic are maybe not the, um, the first 16 in the Champions League, but maybe between 16 and um, 24, if you create a kind of an um, ranking out of it so they are maybe in the same price class um, then you saw the total difference between Bayern under Anfilotti maybe and Heinkes uh, right now so um, the Bayern squad under Anfilotti just fell back into a kind of 4-4-2 but it didn't work out quite well um, it was always a little bit lazy and not yeah let's say not motivated and maybe not very structured in total so it results um, in a lot of counter attacks because Bayern was just um, on, in a passive position um, they just fell back um, Anderlecht had two three five nearly three passing routes and yeah already or had then some chances um out of that and then against and even if if uh, Anderlecht was one man down and setting now was a little bit different or it was totally different as Bayern tried to press uh, the full pitch and did it very well maybe for the first 60 minutes <clears throat> Maurice um <clears throat> Arjen Robin had three crucial interceptions <laughs> his team which is amazing um is te- team defending seems to seems to be back it seems um, it seems like players are it sounds so weird sorry i know right it's that's crazy i mean it's awesome by the way he's like my favorite it sounds like trump is the president but yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's one thing that never happens. Yeah, right. On Earth Two, Robin is a team defender. We're on Bayern Two, um, but it seems like um, uh, team defending is is back. Maurice, is is that um, maybe is this a a collateral thing because Hankus is trainer now, um, or? is well i mean i guess it would be the same thing or is the team slowly uh solidifying or or getting back together as a team um i think it uh, first let me say that that sliding tackle by robin like around around uh, midfield oh my god like, it was so gorgeous <laughs> I was ah! like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like is that really iron robin or <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But then, um, but, he had, but, but, but then he had the interception in the box. Yeah, yeah I, I guess it was his, his, his lost brother. <laughs> <laughs> he, has a, he has a defensive twin brother that suddenly appeared. Yeah. Um, but, but, but it seems yeah. like they're, they're really trying under, under Henkes now. Yeah, it's, um, and I, I think some of that might come from that um, that link between um, back four and midfield that is that, that we somehow rediscovered because, like you already said, um, like when Ancelotti was there, there was like this huge gap in in midfield, and maybe that was something that. Um, that Robin and Coleman and Ribery felt it was too 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 many meters to cover, <laughs> um, and just now because they they just push up higher the pitch and start their pressing really early, um, 
maybe maybe that influences them there. Um, I don't know if the, if the team really has come back together and if Robin now just wants to sacrifice himself more than he did before. I, I, I somehow doubt it, but um, yeah, it was it was definitely nice to see both him and um, also um, Thiago and Coman cover those um, extra miles. Do, do you yes, think maybe. This has, do you think this has anything to do with uh, Robin retiring from the the Netherlands national team? No, no, that that's not in that way. Um, there's maybe one one funny story I know from um, Peter Hammann and Japanikas from the 2013 season. Um, at the starting of the season, they showed the whole team um, some scenes, especially from Dortmund and Royce and the the whole other squad and under Klopp, and showed some some pressing scenes. So where the wingbacks from Dortmund covered. Yeah, also the whole pitch and were highly involved also into defensive actions and scenes. And the story behind that, that the coaching team or the coaching staff want to tell is um, that everybody needs to be involved and all 11 players needs to cover and it, it's only working as a, as a team. And this was kind of a message and this message... Um, totally worked in that 2013 season and I guess they the Heinkes and Hermann the, the assistant coach bring back this story once again so that Robin want to show okay I didn't lose that information in the last four years um, and want to highlight okay I still can do it um, and this is, was a very important point not that only one single possession he just won in that scene with that um, yeah, midfield scene. It was like, okay, I'm now involved uh, with that sliding tackle, and I I still can do it, and I, I try to um, yeah bring something in as well as as player. And this was, I guess, more important as a yeah kind of scene um, for everybody and for the for for, for the internal um, for the motivation. And I pointed out, well, I want to point out that this is maybe the more important one here. Maurice? Um, <clears throat> yeah, um, just like, like I'm basically on the same page as Chris is. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh. um, you, you're also that, that maybe maybe one point I, I want to make. Um, you don't know if, if uh, Angelotti maybe had a different different idea. Maybe he wanted to to use um, to, to like he, he relieved Coleman or the 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 wingers from their defensive, defensive duties. duties. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, but that, this is just wild speculation right now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, it seems to make a lot of sense. Is way. I mean, as far as, you know, we're talking about the high compressed press that we saw against Celtic um, and the lack of space. Uh, yeah, we're all going to go out on a limb here and we're all armchair armchair coaches to, to some <laughs> extent. Um, but it seemed like Ancelotti was relying on the back four for defensive duties and everybody else could just go forward. Would you agree? 
Kind of like Sunday League, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> you guys are defenders and everybody else attack the goal. Um, <laughs> it's, it's maybe a little bit simplistic um, to think that way, but it seems to, so far, um, have, have played out that way. What do you think, Chris? Mm, it's it's hard to argue here. Um, yeah, it's, it's still difficult. Um, I mean, currently we are trying to create some positive mood. There's maybe one point I, I want to make. In, in both games, we still saw too many crosses. So um, right. Um, this is something, yeah, we, we need to sort out. I guess against Celtic, we had over 43 at the end. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to see also that the Tigers can can change here something as well. So that we're creating also some chances directly from um, zone 14, um, directly out of the midfield, maybe with some vertical pass routes, so that we um, that is not everything like yeah, okay, Alaba's crossing, and then we try to make a cross or um, Kimmich cross the back of Robin, and then he's try to to making um, or bringing some crosses, so that we also see something different. Yeah. I think um, we saw against against Freiburg and uh, uh, not, not that much against Glasgow, but we saw um, Hummels and Boateng trying those those chip balls across the back line of of the opponent um, again. But they were they were a little bit little bit off. There's something like they seem a little bit rusty on that one. Maybe maybe if they they practice another few weeks, they they get those balls back and they have they create chances like. Out, out of those those passing situations as well, because um, let's face it, a few like one last year or maybe the year before that, um, we we created quite a few chances just by Boateng slicing up that that defense from time to time with those beautiful passes to Lewandowski or or Hummels or just some other crossing player. Yeah, for sure. Um, and and those two center backs have traditionally very good passing stats especially going forward and and with the long ball and they're both a threat right indeed indeed this is something we they try to to bring it back um but as maurice pointed out it was not that accurate in, in both matches some some of them but not all of them well, we can we can look forward. Uh, they get another practice match against Hasvel on the weekend, and then and then we get into the shit. <laughs> we get in. We get into. We get into two very very difficult weeks. But um, before that, um, we all we all reminisce and we all love Philip Lahm, um, and every German would say he's the best right back that ever lived ever um <laughs> right yes sure sure let's go with that um but but what is it Kimmich hype train but yes then this is where I'm going <laughs> um uh, Maurice uh uh young Joshua Kimmich looks to be up to challenging that wow um I'm I'm really 
impressed by Koenig this season. And I'm um, just like, of course, he still has, like, you just can't, it's just unfair to anyone to straight up compare to, to Philip Lahm, especially someone like Kimmich who has now, like if you count up all his national game matches and his matches for Bayern at that position, he's maybe at like 35 games at, at right back. And he's just, yeah, um, the, the, the drop off that I expected from, from that position um, and what actually happened that like just two different worlds now i think um every day at, at the bayern training grounds um Alain and uh his his um companions and at the board uh, when they look outside and they see or at the matches and they see Kimmich playing they have to like hit themselves in the head and say wow we, we really got, got lucky that that we signed that young 19 year old from from leipzig that one day because um it's just uh, I I think it's it's really good like him uh, the stuff that he can do on offense supporting that team um, is is enormous of course there have not been that bigger challenges for him on the defensive end like um, against Neymar maybe for PSG and we saw him struggle from time to time there but um, of course there will be struggles the guys like 20 years old or 21 years old so um, yeah um, I'm I'm re really surprised to see Kimmich um, play this role that good that that fast uh, Chris yeah if you want to compare that maybe with Lam because you, you started to point this out um, then you can maybe say that Kimmich is more in or actually the, a little bit more better offensive player and as Maurice is right here as well um, defensively there are still some challenges um, but yeah in most of the matches um, especially against teams like Celtic or Freiburg they just have the feeling okay there's something on the other side who's or they they just parking the bus here um, then somebody like Kimmich is very, very useful. Um, it's a great tool for each coach. Um, he was in, in the 13 games so far already involved in eight goals, so with five assists and three goals, um, which is a an, an tremendous... Yeah, there are tremendous figures if you for 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 a central back player. Uh, so it's just just amazing how this solution um, works out currently. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I think um, if I can add one point, um, of course, I think if if Robin gets back into form, that will really uh, help to boost Kimmich's game because uh, um, as we've seen with with Ribery um, as well. Um, and Alaba on the other side of the pitch. Um, I think it can really help that that young defender on on the wing if he has that experienced um, guy ahead of him who can help him out, who creates a lot of space and, like we see seen with Robin, also work back and uh, help him on defense a little bit. And so if if Robin really gets back into like not in his to, to his peak, I think 
he's probably done there, but to to um, to a good level of of Robin play, then I think that can only help Kimmich and will maybe help him take that take that next step because so far this season um, he had he had um, several partners. He had Thomas Müller, he had James Rodriguez, he had Iron Robin. They all differ in their playing style. Like Robin always tends to cut inside. Um, Müller is more like a do it all and also like a hard player to to rely on because he's like on all different places on the pitch and not like somewhere where the coach tells him to to play um so i think if that robin and kimmich partnership really gets going i think that will that will be something to look forward yeah for sure um but it is kind of nice how how the left is finally coming along um this season where the right side has always been the the most dominant uh chris would you agree i it, it seems to be it's 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 a much more balanced sort of attack yeah it's definitely more balanced um so currently of course kimmich is performing very very well and on the left side okay ribery didn't work out the whole season so far there are yeah alaba struggles as well but komang improved in the last two games so it, it could be that we see getting something like yeah 50 50 split um so it's not that that easy for the for the opposite side to read out um where's or where Bayern tries to to push forward at at the moment i see it a little bit more that we have the focus on the right side but just like because um Kim is performing very well and also Müller who is also tending to move more a little bit more on the right side uh, when he's playing um, behind Lewandowski um, that the right side is maybe a little bit more involved but yeah it's it's hard to say because we had so many matches okay it was like Angelotti and something went totally wrong um, and there was also the Sangyol match and now it's already the first coach and the 14th game or 13th game already um so it's 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 hard to point yeah kind of a pattern out here that's that's kind of crazy three coaches in in less than 15 matches yeah (laughs) right Maurice (laughs) (laughs) hadn't had that in a while (laughs) (laughs) um so um why would Brendan Rodgers leave Musa Dembele on the bench, Maurice? Well, that, that that is that is a question that is suited so well for Christopher. <laughs> oh, Chris! He's probably, okay, he's probably Chris watching Heart of yeah, Milton versus can answer Glasgow on a rainy Saturday afternoon. So I'm just going to pass that on. If that's okay. all right. <laughs> um, I have no idea. <laughs> I have really no idea. Um, Rogers also did it, I guess, last year. Sometimes I need to sort it out if I'm, I'm true. So Celtic fans don't don't blame me. Um, I guess he did it as well in the Champions League for a couple of games. So in the group stage, maybe um, for the Kate Dembele, um, definitely got the first um, first option. He brings on somebody else. Um, so I guess. Maybe I argue in that way that Rogers is a little bit, just a little bit careful with his young gun. Um, 
So that that's keeping keeping his player or keeping his talent a little bit secret <laughs> on the secret side um but no i i don't know i have no clue what is um versus in his mind i mean it, it, in general it's totally complicated i can can understand it so if you're watching the um the scottish premier league then you just see that celtic is dominating 99% of all games and they have yeah, all possession they haven't lost 60 right yeah it's amazing yeah they yeah the, the worst thing is like a kind of a draw mm-hmm. um so uh, yeah they they had games normally with maybe 70 80% um possession ball possession and creating so many chances and then it's I guess totally different when you're playing against yeah teams like PSG or currently also Bayern, uh, which are even more dominant than themselves. So this is yeah just complicated, I guess. And yeah, Rogers doing some always some adjustments. Um, yeah, it, it didn't work out um, this time, but let's see what's happening in the two weeks. Yeah, for sure. I, I just um, so. Well, I guess Roger's thinking was maybe that he was going to be like a spark plug, right? Could throw be, could in, be, yeah. Throw him in in the second half. And it kind of coincided, going back to the Vidal question, <laughs> 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 around the uh, around the same time of, of Vidal's entrance. Um, uh, did... Did Dembele? I don't really think he he left much of a mark on the match, though. Chris? No, 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 he didn't. Um, okay, I, I mean, it was like um, the last fifty minutes. I just want to say, or I would, or I would mark them as, as garbage time. So it's it's hard to say. Okay, there was some player who overperformed at that fifty minutes. Um, that the game was over after after the third goal and yeah it's 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 hard to to argue or to to make some arguments for for a player or against a player it was yeah kind of a garbage time just garbage so um before we end it um maurice do, do you have what actually this is a good question. Uh, what lineup or what changes do you think Yip is going to make um, for Saturday's match against Haasvel? That is a pretty well, easy uh, one. Um, <laughs> what did you say? Wait, what? I just, I just said that that's a pretty easy one for Maurice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the answer is none. <laughs> oh shit! I'm, we call it. No. We call it. We call it throwing up softballs, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, uh, I, I just I just read an article actually t- t- today um, on my way home from work, and it said that. Um, Heinkes is probably uh, he, he apparently said that he will he's planning on using his his um, formation now for for the next few games as well and they don't expect him to make a lot of changes and apparently he's already talked to the likes of um, James and Tolisso who seem like the obvious losers so far uh, under Heinkes. Um, 
that uh, that right now he just wants to give his team um, some stability. So I, I don't know if we see that many changes. Um, maybe maybe in central midfield, I could also see Hamas get a start. Um, maybe throw in Sula. Uh, um, but but like I said, I, I can also see Heinkes just putting out the same 11 guys as well. Um, I don't know if Martinez is going to be um, suiting up for the game against Hamburg. I, I don't think so, but um, I, I'm not too sure. Um, so if, if he's back and he's healthy, I think he will replace Rudy once more. Um, if not, maybe we get to see uh, all of our favorite uh, Arturo Vidal. <laughs> <laughs> I would expect that maybe, yeah, not more than three changes, definitely not. So, Hamas, yeah. Tolisso, and maybe Sule, those three players could get a chance. And maybe Robin get a sit on the bench, maybe Boateng, and okay, Rudy or Thiago um, get some rest. Um, so, yeah, that that's pretty much it i don't see anything more okay the, the squad is even very very small in the season we have to yeah, keep that yeah. in mind yeah sure um and i i don't think um Heinz really wants to wants to take out uh, miller who is just seems to be coming back into form and i think he can he can play all the games so um and that that would be good for him so yeah like like chris said maybe robin maybe boateng and thiago or or rudy i don't see anybody else being subbed out and then it could be that that chile is getting a start <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at least on on the riverbahn after the match <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> so so so. <laughs> the, the, the small trip to Little Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's gonna lead the team there. <laughs> oh goodness! So, <laughs> just thinking of 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 one 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 more thing, maybe two more things, but one more thing. So, so Ulreich has now had two clean sheets in a row. So, so, um, do you keep playing him or, or do you start putting Fruchtel in? I think Fruchtel is actually, um, uh, so right now, um, I think uh, Tom Schalke is always on the bench as as a second keeper, and I don't think they will put in Fruchtel. I don't think they wanna they wanna. Um, they don't want to destroy or, or destroy a young goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think Fruchtel way down the line, um, he will probably try to try to succeed uh, Neuer. I hope they're a little bit more successful like all the successes of Oli Kahn did. Um, but um, yeah, no, I think you don't you don't you don't make a change. You keep in Ulreich, um and you you pray for a speedy recovery from Manuel Neuer. Chris? Um, Martin Martin from our Mason um, Road team pointed out that um, okay, first it was on the bench um, against Celtic, but this was the, the reason behind that was that um, Stark is currently not part of the, I guess, 25 players who can 
um, be nominated. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. So there are some limitations. Um, and Frichtel was on the bench, but Martin, from um, who is joining all matches, only all matches from the um, second team of Bayern, pointed out that Frichtel currently has also or struggles a little bit. Um, with his form, um, so there's no reason um, to to shifting right now. So, so um, the best the best hope for Ulrich is that uh, Bayern keeps their pressing and <laughs> right <laughs> give, yeah, give teams yeah. give teams the the least opportunity. Although Ulrich, I, he didn't have anything to do against Freiburg, but um, he had a little bit to do against Celtic and performed very well, which is awesome. Um, <clears throat> but you know, you kind of sit on pins and needles. Um, with him in goal, uh, thinking about uh, the beginning of the season, especially. I mean, until I mean, after Neuer got hurt. Maurice. Yeah, well, um, I think um, right. He had this uh, this uh, this really really big. Um, yeah, how do I put this mildly? Um, this really, really poor outing against against Wolfsburg with that goal that looked like, um, yeah, like Sunday League again. But uh, <laughs> um, other than that, um, of course, it does not provide the stability that Emmanuel Neuer brings to the table. But but you cannot expect this from from a uh, from a backup goalie, and I don't think there w- will be a, a a goalkeeper available for Bayern to to sign who will sit on the bench for the whole season, and when he comes in, he plays like. Uh, yeah, on the same level as Manuel Neuer, or is at least a smaller drop off. Um, I don't think there's a chance to get a to get a player for that. And so I think Sven Ulreich, he is an, um, a good or at least all right to good um, Bundesliga keeper, and he has certainly has his strength. Um, directly on the goal line. Um, he's not the best with the ball at his feet. He's not the best um, like controlling the box and stuff. But um, yeah, um, I think you just have to have to trust in him and like make him feel that trust from the management as well. And then, yeah, keep keep going with that. Right. And he he was angling to get away um, over the summer um, until he got hurt. So he's kind of been pressed into this position and then thrust back into the spotlight. And yes, it's absolutely unfair to compare Sven to Manuel. Um, Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, he's in a good position right now. So um, he got currently the time. Right. Um, he gets the media attention, uh, being the goalkeeper of a team like Bayern Munich, even if you're just, uh, okay, let's say, again, quotes, the replacement of Manuel Neuer, um, then even that is in kind of a good role, and his contract expires at the end of the season, and yeah, he currently, or maybe he should have then all opportunities, right? So even he can stay at the club, or um, he, he moves forward to maybe, um, yeah, another Bundesliga team or yeah he's trying to make a journey a European journey something like that so what's what's his salary do you know 
Do Sorry? either of you know? What is his salary? Or it, it shouldn't be that much. Like a million? Two million? Yeah, probably two. Maybe 2.5, something like that. Shit, I would sit on the bench behind men once for 2.5 million a year. <laughs> but keep in mind that you have to pay then the German taxes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, but it's still 1 million. <laughs> Right. Um, any any final thoughts? So so um, after Hasval, it, then it's the 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 double match, the um, the Pokal, and then the league against uh, Red Bull Leipzig. Um, any thoughts? Looking ahead to those two, and then and then that's followed by Bevel Bay, which will probably decide first and second place going into the winter maybe well um, Leipzig seems to be seems to be not coming back to form because they haven't been really out of form but seems to have had now two two big victories against uh, against Dortmund of course um, on last Saturday and then now in Champions League as well so uh, they will there will be two two really Big matches to important matches, and of course in the in the Pokal, if you if you lose, you're out. So it's, it's like a little little um, little something extra. And then what I or what I'm really um, looking forward to is just how those two games are gonna gonna differentiate from from each other. Like, uh, will, will there be some obvious technical adaptions by any coach following the game on Wednesday for the game on Saturday? Will we see? The same teams. We will see the same squads out there. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and of course, um, Bayern um, playing in the Pokal. You you have to go all in. Um, and but you also got got to go all in on on the weekend um, when you play Leipzig in the Bundesliga because you cannot afford to lose any more points. So. We're probably going to see the same same team out there, just with minor changes as well in both those games. I'm really looking forward to see um, if Leipzig can stabilize their defense. So they already conceded um, in Champions League and um, Bundesliga together 15 goals in nearly 10 games, which is yeah more or less 1.5 goals per game against them. And yeah, maybe maybe okay with Heinkes, I don't know, but yeah, it could be that something really weird will happen. So if you're remembering the last um, last season. In the four or five, um, maybe we see something like that. Let's see what's what's going on. What's what's coming up? I um, so last Saturday, I couldn't believe I was sitting at a bar watching uh, Bevape uh, Leipzig, and I was actively supporting Leipzig. <laughs> <laughs> That's a first. I know, I, and it's a last. No, I mean it's probably a last. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, it, it it definitely does get a whole lot interesting. Obviously, um, everybody's expecting Bayern to win on the weekend, 
um, and there's no signs that they won't. But uh, the the matches that follow are extremely, extremely important. And, and this is where we find uh, the true nature of, of Bayern Munich and uh, Jupp Hengis's inclusion uh, to the team. But for now, um, we're going to leave it off. And I want to thank Christopher Ron and Marie's House, uh, both writing on miasanrot.com and miasanrot.de. Um, Christopher, I know you don't want to say it, but <laughs> where can we find you? <laughs> Yeah, obviously on Mizan Road and at Twitter um, at Ram C, R A M M C at the end. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to 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 mix up. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh shit! And Maurice. Uh, well, of course, as well on on Mason Road Day, and then on Twitter at Thunder Twenty Four MH. Awesome, and I am your host Susie Schaff, and I am on Twitter at the Susie Schaff T H E S U S I E S C H A A F. This has been episode seven of the Mia Sunrope podcast. And gentlemen, thank you both so very much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Yay, I love talking to you both. All right, until next time, guys. Uh, Servus. Yeah, you have a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Ja, 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 ja,